Welcome to Cash Money. My name is Patrick Vieira, and I'm here today with Nick Zonnefeld from Corist and Brian Hankey. Welcome, Nick, and welcome, Brian. Let's get this started. Nick, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your company, Corist? Nick Zonnefeld. I'm from the Netherlands. I have not a really long history in blockchain. I used to be uh, in the army for 17 years. I basically am a retired army captain. I used to be in the uh, Dutch Special Forces for 17 years. I did a lot of deployments in the Middle East and in Africa before I transitioned out. After my military career, I went into tech. I briefly worked for a tech company that was building virtual reality systems for army, police, and fire departments. And I was basically the interface between the client and tech departments. And I got really interested in the deeper technology itself. And then I also decided to go into learning more about programming itself. Absolutely no, not a developer, but I really find it interesting to see how it works. And after a while, after some courses I did, I ran into an opportunity to start current business of Corest, where we tokenize existing trees in order to generate carbon offsets. This is basically how it, how it started. It really helped me to have a, a deeper layer of understanding what blockchain really was and how it operates and also be able to read the code to also come up with a business idea. And then yeah, beginning of 2021, uh, I basically wrote the first white paper for Chorus, where we explain how we think we can go uh, and disrupt also the, the current carbon markets. And yeah, then we just started building it from scratch. So we came up with the, with the tokenomics model that basically brings existing N uh, trees on chain called NFTs that generate CO2 tokens equivalent to the amount of CO2 that is actually being absorbed by the trees. And in this way, we, we create fungible carbon that has been absorbed. And then the carbon is tradable and you can use it, those tokens, those CO2 tokens to issue yourself what we call a proof of carbon compensation certificate. You're burning an equivalent amount of CO2 that you want to compensate either for yourself or for a business. And you want to be able to prove that right on chain that you compensated a certain amount and for what reason in order to avoid having claims that are not really backed by anything. So yeah, that's basically uh, what, what we have built a decentralized application for, for carbon offsets. That's really interesting. How exactly do you prove this all on chain? Yeah. Um, so basically what we do is um, we want to show that the trees that we either plant ourselves or that the trees that we onboard from other farmers or other projects are really there. We, we chose to go with the most scalable solution and that's satellite data. So, um, because there's, uh, we use a partner, uh, Floodlight, and they specialize in aggregating all kinds of satellite data in order to analyze, okay, what, what, what's happening on the ground. And we focus in this sense on biomass. So uh, you can imagine we, we have our own land in Spain, 
that we planted with uh, with trees and those trees grow over time and that that can be monitored by satellite uh, data and that data that biomass data is then put on chain through the uh, chain link decentralized oracle network so what what happens uh, behind the scenes is the satellites they're or- orbiting the the globe all the time but Maybe like like today it's kind of cloudy, so you cannot really see it. But the next day you, you can see it, and then there's clouds again. And that data is aggregated on a monthly basis and then put on chain. Uh, our smart contracts then query the data to see, okay, are those trees really there? And if they're there, we can mint a certain amount of CO2 tokens. Uh, and without the satellites, uh, telling us that the trees are there, we cannot mint. So there's a mint lock in uh, in the smart contract functionality that can only be uh, uh, activated uh, by the satellite data. So this is basically how it works. And we are in the process of implementing a second step, and that's the amount of CO2. Because the, the trees itself, that, that's the most important thing. Because if the trees are there, we know, okay, then CO2 is being absorbed, then the next question is how much? We have a small science team uh, that makes calculations based on tree type, tree age, uh, area to calculate the average CO2 absorption per tree and per hectare because there's many variables in uh, influencing that. So you will go to a two-step process in the minting. So, okay, first biomass, yes. The trees are there, and then the next step is to calculate how much CO2 tokens. For now, that is still a manual process determined by a scientist team, uh, but that will be a proof of reserve implementation to show, okay, we, we, we can never exceed the maximum supply of CO2 on chain compared to the actual CO2 absorption on the ground. So it is basically a two-step verification. How exactly do you utilize Chainlink in this whole process? Yeah, so the Chainlink Oracle, it takes the off-chain data on-chain, and then the next step will be the proof of reserve for the amount of CO2 tokens that can be minted to make sure that all tokens are backed by one uh, by absorbed CO2. Because in our tokenomics, one token of CO2 equals one token of absorbed CO2. So we just use the node, Chainlink node, to get off-chain data, satellite data, and then the next step is proof of reserve to calculate the maximum supply and to show that we don't exceed the maximum amount of CO2 tokens. So one token is one gram? One kilo. Or one kilogram. And it's, but with this, there has to be some component of time, right? So it's one kilogram per year or per month? Um, so, we, yeah, we calculate the average CO2 absorption per tree or per, per hectare, for example. So, the, um, the trees that we did ourselves, as a fig tree, and they, at this stage, they absorb like 25 kilos per year. So, that would be, and, and they, they are like claimable in the same rate as the CO2 being absorbed. So, that means that a user that is holding the NF3, you can claim like two tokens a month or so. Each token is one kilogram of CO2. There's no time component to the token. There's a no. time component to the NFT representing the tree or the land and how often 
it can generate a token. Yes. And so then in this way, from a logic standpoint in the smart contracts and the code, this is really not much different from how our token works, where we have the chain link proof of reserve that says how many grams of gold are in the vault, checks to make sure there are no more tokens than there are grams of gold. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah, I think uh, that that's accurate because we, we both our projects are dealing with an, a real world asset, chain link network basically allows us to show to our potential, to our, our customers, our users, that all the real world assets are there. So the mechanism is actually the same. Um, the only thing that is different in our two projects is, okay, one is a static object that is in a vault, and the other object is like, it, it, it's a living organism, right? So it's, the, the measurement is, is slightly different. But the, the process of getting it on chain and into our contracts is basically, is, I think, almost identical. That's super interesting how this uh, proof of reserve can apply directly to so many different ideas and different technologies. So you mentioned earlier that Corist is disrupting the carbon markets and you're going at it with a different approach. How exactly are you disrupting the markets? Yeah, that, we do that in multiple ways. The first one is by building a system that is 100% on-chain and that doesn't rely on a middleman. So basically the classical crypto disruption model, because now you have carbon credits, voluntary carbon credits market, mandatory carbon credits markets, but it's super untransparent because first of all, you don't really know where they're coming from. If those projects are legit, you have to trust on a, a issuing entity to to assess calculate the carbon credits and then they yeah, have their own database and then it's sold off to banks or brokers or governments whatever and it's not really open right it's it's all web 2.0 so that's that's the first one now you see that carbon credits have found their way also on chain where they bridge basically carbon credits onto the blockchain but that yeah, in my opinion that's not the best solution because you're basically trying to bend legacy technology into new technology. We chose to, to do that completely on-chain. Because you have some issues with the carbon credits markets, and that's double counting, double claiming. That leads to greenwashing. So because carbon credits are basically a centralized data, database, you, you, don't, you never know for sure how often they have been sold, when they are retired. So when people use it to claim carbon neutrality, then they have to retire carbon credits. And there has been issues in the market where companies claim they have compensated using carbon credits, but then people discover, okay, it was low quality projects. There was double counting, double spending. So yeah, that can only be, that accounting can only be improved if you take it to the blockchain. Um, and then the second one is uh, the integration of the satellite data on a monthly basis and directly feeding that into the, the CO2 token minting functionality. So without that data, we cannot mint. That takes it a step further, right? So you have the accounting for the CO2 sequestration on chain, and then you have the quality check for, for minting by satellite data, giving you a certain warranty, right? For the, for the quality of the tokens. That's the second one. Chorus not only has that own mechanism, technology, we also introduced their own standard, what, which we call the Chorus Carbon Standard. 
that allows us to onboard other projects and farmers. So we are not doing our only our own projects where we buy our own land, plant our own trees, but we can also onboard farmers globally because we have a certified standard. We were audited. It took, took a while to get that done, but we are now officially audited. They're saying, okay, what those what Chorus is doing is is legit. The methodology it's it's audited. It's correct. So we can now basically. We, we have, and that allows us to remove the barrier to entry for small and medium-sized farmers to enter the carbon market. Because now the barrier to entry is, is pretty high. Uh, let's say if you're a farmer uh, in uh, in Africa uh, and you are planting new trees, they are absorbing CO2, but how do you sell it? Now they have to basically reach out to another issuer of carbon credits. Uh, those farmers now have to pay quite some significant amount of, of dollars to get audited and then get registered and then get current credits issued and then they sell it. But uh, yeah, we said, okay, the majority of the farmers, in, in, especially in developing countries, are small, medium-sized farmers, but they're doing a great job. They are working hard and their trees are absorbing CO2, but they, they, they have no access to funds, right? And we came up with a business model where we can can onboard them for free. So a farmer in Africa can reach out to us or anywhere in the world. And, and after a, our own due diligence process to see if, if they are legit, if they are uh, complying with the course carbon standard, meaning, okay, you have to do new project. You have to respect biodiversity. You cannot uh, bring invasive species there. So we, because we really want to focus also on the quality of the project. Because we don't want to have monoculture where people like plant just one, one, one type of species that is disrupting the, the local biodiversity. So after that process, they can get onboarded. We map the area, pass it over to our satellite uh, partner, and then we track and trace them each month. We mint the NFT that represents their land, and then they start generating their own CO2 tokens. 92% of the uh, CO2 tokens that they generate go directly to the uh, to their own wallet, right? Because the farmer basically, well, all he needs to do is have a wallet. We mint the NFT that represents a certain amount of CO2 tokens each year. Then we send that NFT to the wallet, and he goes to our DAP uh, and mints, uh, claims his own CO2 tokens, and it's off. He's in full control. And our business model, we we take a fee for the claiming, paid in CO2. And that's uh, how we manage to keep the onboarding for free, right? Because we have to offset our costs with satellite data for our tech, for our people. But we, we don't want to raise the barrier to entry for a farmer by paying us upfront. Uh, so we said, okay, we, we take a portion of the CO2 they generate. Um, so you so take 10% and the farmer takes 90%? Uh, they, take, uh, they keep 92% and we take 8% of the CO2 they generate. Because we have cut out the middleman, right? Um, they don't have to go to a bank. They don't have to go to a broker to sell. So yeah, the the vast majority of those tokens generated should go directly uh, to that farmer. How do the NFTs work? Are they per tree or per hectare? Or you can do it both ways? You can do it both ways. We started with our first and our own NFTs that are one-to-one -one backed because we, we started selling fig trees because the figs, they produce the fruit, and therefore yield, therefore making it 
suitable for investment because the the owner of an nft will also get a, a portion of the profits generated by selling the fix of to the market um, and it's it's a bit easier to track the trees one-on-one than let's say if we sell forest right because we are going to do a forest regular forest as well and then it's a mix of trees and then we we sell basically an, an nft that represents a particular surface in a forest that equals an average amount of co2 each year because in a forest you can imagine if you plant different types of species in an yeah, playful way not just in rows but like how a forest is meant to be with a lot of variety it's kind of hard to track a, a single tree but you can track a surface especially with satellite data and then we, we we make an average calculation of how much co2 is is, is absorbed by, for example, by a certain hectare, and then we translate that into uh, kilograms and then tokens. So, you so if I understand correctly, if it's a farm, you tend to count each individual tree, yeah. and if it's a wild forest, you count it by land area and average biomass. Is that right? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we also over collateralize everything. I think that's also important. So we. Uh, we don't tokenize 100% of the trees, so we keep a uh, 10% collateral uh, because we, we want to make sure that all tokens are fully backed, right? And, and and we're dealing with a living organism. There's always something that can go wrong on the ground. There can be a disease, there can be wind, there can be, uh, I don't know, flooding, real-world stuff. Um, and therefore, we said, okay, uh, farmers need to have reserve of 10%. So in order to guarantee that those CO2 tokens are always backed. What about the other side of the equation from the investor side? Uh, do people have to be accredited for this? And do they have to be accredited for other solutions currently on the market? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, it's all decentralized. So our NFTs are available on yeah, open marketplaces. People can even uh, reset it on uh, OpenSea, or yeah, we have another partner that we use as our primary uh, marketplace. Uh, yeah, we work together with a gaming company and we utilize their marketplace as well because <clears throat> uh, we discovered that um, people are non-accredited investors. They want to invest in something, but they also want to have a digital use case for it. So they can, it's, uh, in, a, in a game, they can plant the NF trees in game. So they can have like a real world tree that is usable in the game as well. Uh, and, it's, and it's producing a yield in the meantime, right? And we, we said like, okay, that's cool. So you have double utility. But the, yeah, um, and we discovered like, okay, the carbon market is very hard to access if you're a non-accredited investor. He now happens by specialized exchanges or brokers or banks. But if retail or non-accredited investors want to invest in carbon, how do they do it now? It's kind of hard. So yeah, we are bringing a solution that, that decentralizes trading in carbon. Not only that, but I guess since these, these tokens are only generated after the carbon has already been absorbed, if you foresee a shortage in that marketplace, you can you can hold on to these, you can stockpile them and sell them at a later date, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's up to the to the NF3 holder or the CO2 buyer to decide. 
yeah, that that's I think the beauty about the CO two token. It's not a credit, carbon credit. I, I don't believe in carbon credits because if you want to compensate, it it should be done through a token that actually is uh, representing uh, something already happened in the past, right? CO two it needs to be absorbed because a credit, okay, CO two might be absorbed in the future. Then for me, that the accounting is wrong. If you want to compensate, um, something uh, of CO2 needs to be absorbed. Otherwise, I'm emitting something. I'm emitting CO2 that is not being absorbed before I emit. So, yeah, it, it doesn't really help to create a more efficient market, I think, so, by, by using credits. And then when they use the token, an end user, somebody that has some activity they need to offset, then the token gets burned? Yeah, correct. So the token is taken out of circulation by burning it. Um, and then in in return, the user receives an NFT, that is the certificate. And you know, through our platform, then yeah, you can uh, create, uh, you can register your, your name <coughs> and your email. And then if you burn, you can say, okay, um, I'm burning this amount on this name uh, for this specific reason. Yeah, with the transaction hash, uh, NFT ID, um, yeah, and that's stored forever on the blockchain, um, immutable data. So if you're taking a flight somewhere and you want to compensate, yeah, you can burn the equivalent amount of CO2 that your flight is, uh, is emitting, create the NFT show it uh, on your uh, social media or whatever uh, because it's there uh, on, the, on the blockchain with your name attached on it the amount and the reason interesting that you mentioned that because i was just thinking about that the last time that i purchased a flight you know they just asked me do i want to pay extra to offset the carbon but i can't really see where does that money go what what's done with it who's collecting it so is it on your roadmap to kind of integrate directly with e-commerce platforms to allow people to get these tokens to offset any given activity? In, in my opinion, it's a must have for us to gain mass adoption to integrate in those kinds of uh, use cases or payment solutions because I've noticed it as well, the, 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 um, the example you just described. Uh, but I'm seeing it more more often with other online payments or purchases you do that they give you the option to compensate. But yeah, you never know where that money goes. And by now we we have learned that people that are willing to offset they they demand higher transparency. And our token, I think, it's especially suitable for micro offsets because one one token equals one kilo. So if you are buying a T-shirt online. Are you doing your groceries online? Yeah, maybe you need to compensate only one or two kilos. So it makes it very suitable to to then integrate into those payment solutions and then basically buy, burn, and, and, and mint the POCC certificate and attach it to an invoice. So you have verifiable proof that you that you really compensated uh, your flight or your or your groceries. And what blockchain does this infrastructure run on? For now, it all runs on Polygon. We chose to go with Polygon because of the cheaper gas fees and also the support. Polygon is, uh, yeah, they have their own green manifesto. 
because they 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 want to become carbon negative themselves. Yeah, we uh, we have good contact with with Polygon. They they really like to have sustainability projects on on their network. So, but I can imagine that the, the future is multi-chain that we might expand to other blockchains in the future. But for now, we are we're totally fine on uh, on Polygon. Uh, the, the network is showing massive adoption, which is good for us because if they integrate with other projects, yeah, we can see if we can fit in with our solutions, create new synergies. What about all of your audits and your certifications? Can people see these online and verify them themselves? Yeah, so we, because we have our own standards, it's also mandatory to have your own register for projects that we onboard. For each project that we onboard, you can see all the basic information about the project. So who's behind it, uh, what, 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 what kind of trees are planted, when are they planted, our calculation method is there. We integrate satellite data uh, through our partners so you can see the latest imagery because the majority of the security of the tokens happens on the backend. It's like only specialized people will be able to see what's going on. But in the registry, you want to have more human readable information, like pictures of what's actually happening on the ground. We integrated that. Uh, you can see which NFT is representing what. Yeah, and, uh, and the agreement that we have between Chorus and the farmer. So everything that we basically have, uh, we put it in the register. Yeah, if, if people want to upload additional information, about themselves. So I've been talking to some projects and they, a lot of guys, they like to fly with a drone and they film what they are doing. So, um, and now we're thinking of ways to, okay, uh, let's upload that, right? So the more proof about your project, the better. And also we notice that people will also like to see what's, what's happening, right? So if you're buying CO2 tokens and you know, those, to those, Tokens are coming from projects globally. Okay, let's show what you're doing. Show what you produce. Show your story uh, about uh, yeah, what you're planting. But where can people see all of this documentation or this register that you're talking about? So on our, on our website, we, we have a lot of information about the course garden standard. There's a link to our registry. We do basically everything in Gitbook. Because Gitbook allows us to plug in some APIs and link to our dev as well. So yeah, go to our website, course.io, and then you can go into the course carbon standard, find the link to the registry, find the link to the, to the report done by the auditor to see, okay, uh, what are those course people actually doing? What is their scientific methodology for calculation? Yeah, the, the, you can track the NFTs that we uh, will be minting for the farmers and sending to them. So you can see, okay, which farmer is holding what, when are they claiming, uh, where are those CO2 tokens going through, how many tokens are being burned. Yeah, that's that's basically all visible via the Gitbook, or the registry in Gitbook. And on our DAP, you will be able to see a leaderboard, uh, who's burning what, uh, who holds the most most amount of NFTs? Um, yeah, and, and and of course the blockchain itself can show the the the, the minting and the burning of CO two. And that's the beauty about Polygon Scan. Go to Polygon Scan, uh, look for the look for the tokens, and you can you you can track and trace it yourself. Anything else that you want to cover that I haven't asked you already? 
yeah, we are we are looking to uh, expand our own tree planting activities and hopefully get yeah inspire also other people to to start doing their own green projects because yeah we hope that people that maybe are sitting on land or thinking to buy land but they don't really know how to monetize it get inspired by it and then see if they can get on board it or not because there there's one end goal and that's just okay if you have degraded land start planting and build a uh, sustainable business model around it right because we really like the idea of not just planting trees but also make it a profitable business for for people that do that locally especially in developing countries because i've seen now quite a few projects in africa and i've noticed that if you choose the right model that you can not only improve the local environment but also build the local economies and i think that people are not aware that yet that environment get destroyed because people don't cannot really eat right because if you're starving you're most likely more prone to destructing your own environment poaching animals because yeah you're just trying to survive the, the more people are employed the more they can care about the environment and about pollution right because if if i'm starving and i cannot feed my children i don't i will shoot an elephant for 50 bucks or i will cut trees and sell the wood for a hundred dollars right so and and that cycle needs to be broken uh, by providing a, a a source of income for local people that is sustainable for them and and nature and we discovered that there's a lot of opportunities in the space to promote local projects to go into a, like some kind of agroforestry projects where you combine tree planting with growing of crops and vegetables fruits and cattle that can all be combined can stay in in, uh, in balance with each other and then you can really grow and then those farmers can basically sell their co2 as uh, as an additional revenue stream which they can use to reinvest hire more people buy more land plant more trees employ more people and then uh, i think we have a really interesting sustainable model also last for a long long period because in the end of the day it's all about production right we have to get production up in in, in developing countries so people can can sell and generate income it's the most important thing because tree planting alone is it's not enough it's not enough to to create an income it really does sound like a sustainable business model that's the whole goal i had those discussions many times with because you, there's a lot of terms like this ESG and corporate social responsibility. If I ask you what, what is corporate social responsibility, especially in the West, uh, what, what does it mean to you? Do you know what it means? Because I don't. No, I have to agree with you. It's a pretty vague umbrella term. Because uh, I, I think corporate social responsibility should be very simple. Is okay, you are hiring more people and you're paying them more and you're producing a good or a service that goes down in price because you become more efficient as a company and i think especially in africa right we want we want to see number go up more people employed more people getting paid more and if we are able to reach that i think we are uh, we are doing well because if we are 
hiring more people, paying them more, uh, then that employee is able to send his kids to school. Uh, there's funding to build schools. And then at the later stage that, that his kid uh, can maybe get employed at the same business instead of going into poaching or going into illegal oil tapping or going into piracy or becoming susceptible to terrorism. That's one of the lessons I've seen from my deployments in the Middle East and in Africa. It's always the same story. Local uh, economies are destroyed. People are unemployed. Terrorist organizations have uh, revenue models based on smuggling weapons, drugs, humans. They need employees and they recruit from local communities, mainly young guys that are uh, uh, unemployed, angry, and uh, capable to, to join and fight. It's a never-ending circle because the Western armies come in. We, we think we should uh, do some nation building. We implement our model that basically never works anywhere because we don't understand what, what's the basic needs in those local economies. That's just very simple. They need the source of income in order to provide their families. Uh, and then they have some future to look forward to. Right? Uh, and that it, it's, it sounds very simple, but I, I discovered that to reach that point, it, it's not that simple. So, somehow we keep getting that wrong. And then we come up with all kinds of new policies and make it super complicated. Stick to the basics and, and make sure that that people have something to get to produce and sell and, and, and that they have a source of income, you know? Yeah, it kind of sounds like give a man a fish versus teach him how to fish. Yeah, uh, correct. And it's the only way forward. Give them a tool and let, show them how to how to use it and okay then we, we we provide the technology for those people to sell the value that they are creating on the ground basically help them connect also to new capital markets because blockchain also allows us to basically to connect those farmers to to a, a new financial global network it was never possible before and that will benefit them massively, I think, in my in the next couple of years, because they have now direct access to, to global markets. And the only thing that they need is some kind of smartphone and internet connection. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time to speak with me. You want to maybe tell people where they can reach you, where they can follow you online, where they can learn more? Um, yeah, so... Um... On our website, chorus.io, you can find the majority of the information. I'm mainly active on LinkedIn. I'm not really active on Twitter. We have Chorus Official on Twitter where we post about the things we are doing. Uh, myself, I'm, uh, I stick to LinkedIn uh, because yeah, I think it's more kind of professional network uh, instead of those other social media accounts. Also, way too busy to to spend all my time on the, all those different media, so social media outlets. So yeah, Nick Swanefeld on LinkedIn, and you can uh, reach out to us. Maybe you want to get onboarded, or you have an, uh, a tree planting project. Yeah, you can send us an email at info at chorus.eu, and then yeah, reach out and let's see how we can uh, work together and get you tokenized. <laughs>